All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to uh, the first of several solo casts we're going to be doing today, talking about the Marvel What If Season 2 uh, series of shows, where we're going to get those out to you, so that way you can kind of get some breakdowns on the general episodes. For those who say, well, I've got a lot going on during the Christmas holidays, but I can't sit down and watch, you know, a different episode each day leading up to the last day of the year. So I'm going to give you a little bit of breakdowns on each of the episodes and kind of go from there. So here we go. The first episode of it was about 30 minutes long, which was called What If Nebula Had Joined the Nova Corps? Of course, Jeffrey Wright returns as the Watcher. You know, he goes in and does this little commentary track. And one thing you'll notice as we go through this first episode, you don't see him much. You hear his voice primarily. Again, kind of sets up a similar thing to the first season where we didn't see much of the Watcher. But we, as each episode gets on, you see a little bit more and more of him. And so anyway, this is episode one of season two. Uh, it debuted on December 22nd, 2023. Uh, so basically, Nova, Corps, Nova Prime recruits Nebula, who was a member, was a daughter of Thanos originally, and then becomes the, the uh, guardian of the galaxy that was ran around with them for a while, uh, was sister to Gamora. And in this version of the what if she had joined the Nova Corps, basically Nova Crime recruits her to join the Nova Corps. Uh, after Ronan accused her successful coup against Thanos, basically Ronan, whereas in the original MCU, you know, Ronan tried to go against Thanos, it didn't go so well for him, but in this version, he basically took Thanos out. So then five years later, Xandar has been sealed off by a dome, basically, to protect itself from... Um, from Ronan's forces, Nova Prime had set up a shield, basically, to try to cut him off from them. And so then Nebula ends up finding up by the body of Yondu, of course, Yondu being the guy who was the main leader, uh, the main part of Ravengers for a while. He ends up going through a whole thing where he's found dead. Nova, Nova the Nova Corps is called in, of course, to investigate. Nebula being part of the Nova Corps goes in, discovers the body. But then she's basically told to back off of it because she's not really accepted. It's interesting, again, kind of seeing how the Nova Prime group basically is coming up with this whole idea that these people aren't to be trusted. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> we have this whole thing where, you know, basically she goes and tries to figure out what's up with Yondu. Uh, it basically sets up the effect of, you know, nobody goes through and finds a weapon. Nobody, if people investigate how, people are investigating how he died, but nobody's investigating what he had on him. And so she ends up calling forth the arrow that he has that he calls through. Ends up finding out that uh, Yondu had located the codes to open the planetary shield. Which I'm like, first of all, I'm thinking, why would Yondu have it have that? But anyway, so of course in the list there, Kree soldier, uh, Yon Rog, who of course was the, played the Jude Law character in Captain Marvel, goes in to help, you know, basically set her up. So she goes in to get him out of jail so that they can go infiltrate the Nova Core Prime database, or mainframe. To destroy it. Of course, they go in, and Nebula, of course, tries to get her brains up, you know, and everything. She goes into the system. He helps her break in, and then she gets into the system to shut down the codes or whatever. And then basically, he steals information from her while she's logged in. She gets trapped in a deal, gets out eventually, gets beaten badly by a group of Nova Corps, where she figures out that it's all, you know, she kind of figures out it's all this plan by Nova Prime. The Nova Prime basically been working with Ronan the whole time. So we end up going through this whole thing. And then um, 
basically she 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 falls off a building they think she's dead she I mean they, they beat the dog I mean it, it, was, it was hard to watch to be honest when they were beating the crap out of her it was just like what what I understand that you know Nebula could take a beating but good grief this was bad I mean we're talking like kicks in the face and batons and all this crazy stuff and then you know they go to try to shoot her and she breaks free and she's going after him and she falls off this deal ends up at the bar owned by bar slash casino owned by Howard the Duck Howard the Duck has this bar Groot works with him and Korg and Meep and so anyway so they go through and, and basically you know Seth Green of course comes back as Howard the Duck and of course it's funny because you know they're going through this whole argument thing he's like well nobody's gonna you know, it's all going to write itself. And she's like, yeah, but if they're going to take your alcohol license, then what's going to write that? So they form a new version of the Guardians, basically, where she becomes the Yondu of the group. She ends up getting the Mohawk as well as the Arrow and a jacket, which is really cool to have kind of Nebula be this cybernetic girl who's wearing the Yondu slicker with the Nova Corps emblem on her chest. I thought it was really neat. I thought it was really cool. But anyway, we end up, they go to fight, basically. They're, you know, squeezing a small car and everything. They go through and go to Nova Prime's base. And when they go to Nova Prime's base, um, they end up, you know, you end up finding out basically that she uh, messed with the code while she was downloading it. So that way, whenever she saw the play that Jan Rog was going to make, and she ends up making the code different to where it was closed on top of, um, on top of Ronin. So basically Ronin gets destroyed. And so, basically, to end it with kind of a, you know, happy ending of she did exactly what she to was told to do in the pledge when she said, be the light, seek the light, and seek the light until you find it. And so, basically, you have the end where the sun is shining on the world, basically. So, it's pretty interesting there. Of course, you got Karen Gillan coming in as Nebula, Jude Law coming in as John Rock, Michael Rooker as Yondu. Further, there's a little audio clip where he's like, you know, basically, we were good friends, we did things. And then, you know, Seth Green comes in as Howard the Duck. Takawatiti comes in um, as Korg, of course, and everybody's playing everything. I think the only person that didn't play was Groot was played by Fred Tattashore, uh, not Vin Diesel. So that's just an interesting thing there. Uh, the next episode was What If Peter Quill Attacked Earth's Gradius Heroes? And that was on the next day, which was 23rd of December. Uh, and I thought this was really cool because this was kind of a, you got a different version of the Avengers. Um, so here's the twist on this one. Imagine Peter Quill was taken back by Yondu to Ego, like he was supposed to have been. You know, in the, in the Guardians 2, we find out basically that, that you know, Yondu never really took him back like he was supposed to. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he never did it. Because he didn't feel like it would be good to take him back to Ego. So he raised him as his own. Well, what if he didn't do that? What if he just did what he was supposed to do? He ended up, you know, taking, you know, Peter as a young child to meet his dad. And so then his dad basically affects him with this plan of expansion. And he's got the power, cosmic power, much earlier in his life than he did in the, in the Guardians 2 movie. Anyway, so Quill comes back to Earth in a ship similar to theirs. And, of course, he's just being galactic. You know, he kind of pulls a Magneto at one point, raising a bunch of cars up and throwing them around. And so then Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, get a team together. Bill Foster, played by, of course, the incomparable Lawrence Fishburne, and Ant-Man, uh, I believe it was Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp there, was when we met Bill Foster for the first time. King T'Chaka of Wakanda, of course, the father to T'Challa. Uh, Bucky Barnes is the Winter Soldier, 
And of course, there's an interesting twist when Peggy and Howard see him, and he's like, that looks like Bucky. And she's like, yeah. And Howard starts to yeah, but the man we knew is no longer with us. And then Dr. Wendy Lawson, who is the original Marvel in Captain Marvel. Uh, and then Hank Pym is there as well with his daughter, Hope Van Dyne, Young Hope. So we get to see Young Hope for the first time, which I thought was really kind of cute. Anyway, we end up going through that. They go to a, an amusement park where Peter Quill is. And of course, Peter Will, Peter Quill at one point, it's funny, he grabs a little stuffed raccoon. Uh, I would say it's a red panda, but it still kind of looks like a raccoon, so it kind of works. Anyway, they go through this whole thing where uh, they go through a scuffle. I mean, basically, as much as everybody's got these really cool plans, Peter Quill's just outmatching them power-wise. I mean, like Bill Foster does a couple of big grow big, get shot at a bunch, grow small again things. Of course, they have to calm Winter Soldier down because he's got a gun out trying to kill him, and they're like, no, you can't kill him. He's not, you know, it's not meant for that. And so, anyway, basically, right as they're about to retreat, Thor shows up, hits them with the, hits them with the lightning, and, and he's all like, oh, man, is it really you? He's like, if it's your doom, yes, it is me. He's like, oh, man, I thought you were that dude from, uh, I forget what band it was from, from, from uh, but anyway, they mentioned a band. And so he's just like, uh, it's just like, I thought you were big with this band. So anyway, they go through this whole thing, and, of course, Hope, He's out there listening to music while he's in the in the jail thing, and they go through this whole deal. Uh, Ego, meanwhile, is trying to get, connect with his son, and of course, his son just wants to go back to Missouri, where everything was, Every, you know, where his mom was, where his family was. That's all he really wants. He's, you know, he tells him basically, Ego is trying to control him and all this other stuff. He really doesn't want that life. He just wants to go back to Missouri and live with his family. Which is a cute thing because we think about how Guardians 3 ended. That's kind of what Peter got then. But anyway, they go through this whole thing where they're trying to talk. As a matter of fact, Howard Stark ends up talking down Winter Soldier because he's got the gun on him because Russia is telling him to basically take the kid out. And that's not what happens. So we end up going through that whole thing. Basically, Barnes ends up kind of, you know, not killing Peter Quill. And even to the point where uh, Howard Stark looks up at, at Hope and goes, Good grief, man. Captain America's been gone a long time, yet he's still helping me win. And so Ego goes through this whole thing. They're fighting. Meanwhile, the heroes are fighting the hero, fighting Ego as he comes to Earth, gets to see, they think everything's going to be cool. All of a sudden, uh, here comes Ant-Man and Peter. And, of course, you know, Peter's standing there, and, and Ego's like, well, that's your human side after all. That's, it, that's all that makes you what you are. You know, and then all of a sudden... Um, Peter looks at his dad and says, you know what? That may be true. But my mom always said I was a Star-Lord. And then basically did a kind of Kamehameha wave and shot him with a Kamehameha wave and basically blasted him out of the way there and using the um, using the seed that he had and crushed it and basically took the power from that seed and used it to, to, take, out, to take out Ego. So at the end of it, you basically have this new Avengers team of Hank Pym, um, Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, Thor, Bill Foster, Goliath, um, King T'Chaka, and Hope Van Dyne with, uh, and Marvel with um, the cat, as well as, of course, um, you know, Peter just controlling everything, you know, and everything like that. Service, I can't think of the name of the cat. I'm sorry. I'm having, I'm having a little bit of brain freeze thinking about the name of the cat. 
Goose. There we go. Goose the cat. Because, yeah, Marvel gives them goose. And so, anyway, uh, we don't see it go flurking, full-blown flurking or anything. But, you know, I'll say that that's, the, that's the way that goes. The next episode was the one for the 24th of December. What if Happy Hogan saves Christmas? This was the most Christmassy episode of any episodes I've ever seen of any Marvel thing. Uh, whether it was references to Die Hard, whether it's references to A Christmas Story, references to all, just all sorts of things, man. They, they, there was even a Hulk Hogan reference in there for obvious reasons. Um, so, of course, the Watcher says basically Christmas time is his favorite time in the multiverse. And so, Happy Hogan is going over this big um, Avengers annual Christmas party. And it, Maria Hill basically tells him this is a little bit after... Infinite, uh, not Infinity War, it's a little bit after the Age of Ultron thing. But yet at the same time, you know, it's like, it, it goes there and then there's a point where they reference to stuff that happened in Endgame a little bit. So I'm kind of like, well, how far how far we've gone past Age of Ultron because, um, you know, of course, Happy's going around getting all the stuff together, trying to get the stuff and there's still the, the droids that are there and everything. And they said that, um, that um, the security system is offline. And he refers to it as Jarvis. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If this is after Age of Ultron, Jarvis would have been in, in, Jarvis would have been in Vision by that point. So why are we still referring to Jarvis as a security system? And so I don't know. I'm sure they'll come up with some way to deal with that. But anyway, Justin Hammer shows up back from Iron Man 2. Old Justin Hammer and his henchmen show up. We got this Russian henchmen. Showing up, basically, they're trying to take Siege on the tower, get Tony Stark's technology, and also get Hulk's blood sample. Um, so then, you know, Maria Hill goes after Hammer. She gets injured, and Darcy was sent away. Darcy was working with uh, Happy. And then the rest of Avengers are going off on different Christmas projects. Like, I know Iron Man and Cap are at a ball doing a Christmas thing. Black Widow is at a... Is that a dance performance of some theater group, and all of a sudden she is um, chasing down this girl that's like a spy. So then you got Banner and Hawkeye are going after a Christmas toy. And so all the main Avengers are tied up in some sort of fashion to where they can't get there. And so, of course, Happy goes in. He's sneaking around. He pulls to John McClane. He's in the vents at one point, sneaking around, trying to figure out where he's supposed to be. And all of a sudden, he ends up falling into the room where the gamma blood is. And nobody falls in that room. He ends up actually injecting himself in the gamma blood. Something I didn't know until I did some more research on it. Apparently, way back in the day, back in the 60s, there was a character in the Marvel comics called The Freak. And this was Happy Hogan. Happy Hogan basically changed into a character who was a huge, uh, like, Hulk-like person. He changed physical characteristics. He fights Iron Man for a little while. Eventually, Iron Man puts him down. He's able to cure him. He's good to go. Well, when they got John Favreau to do the voiceover in What If Season 1, Favreau was like, yes, I'll be more than happy to do it, but on one condition. They were like, what's that? I get to come back in Season 2 and be the freak character in some way or another. So that's how they did it. That's how they got him in. And so he came back to do this role. And so I thought that was really cool. But then I had never heard of the freak prior to that, so I got to look that up after watching the show. So... Anyway, in attempting to save the Hulk blood, he ends up getting injected into himself. He slowly becomes a purple-like Hulk monster. He's running around. He, for the most part, maintains his intelligence. Uh, there are moments where he's not really as able to do it. And so, of course, uh, Darcy calling him as he's transforming. Uh, 
basically tells Darcy he, she needs to get back to try to reboot Jarvis. And he's like, do you want me to be your Reginald Vell Johnson, which is a reference to Die Hard, because Reginald Vell Johnson, of course, the guy that played Carl Winslow in Family Matters, uh, was in the original Die Hard movie. And so that's kind of a thing, way they played to that as well. Uh, there are a lot of jokes. Like I said, if you go back and watch the episode, there's a lot of Christmas movie jokes that are in there all over the place. And so they go through this whole thing. Eventually, Happy is fully transformed into the freak. There's a joke in the thing where Justin Hammer in the Hulkbuster suit actually says, hey, know when you're ready to lose, freak. Not really. I mean, at the time, I heard that not realizing that that's what they were referencing to. But anyway, so they did that. They went through. They, they got everybody in. It ended up being Darcy and Maria Hill trying to reboot the tower system. They put in a German, uh, the German reboot system, and they couldn't get Jarvis activated. But, of course, then all of a sudden the Avengers, who were all around, all of a sudden they all show up. And um, they're attacking Happy, thinking he's the bad guy. And Darcy eventually looks at him. Darcy's like, no, 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 no. He's the good guy. He's the bad guy. And so they end up taking out Hammer. Hammer gets knocked out of a window, um, and the freak saves him. And he's all like, why'd you save me? I'm, I'm the bad guy. He's like, Christmas goodwill at all. And, you know, besides that, we don't want to have to deal with cleaning up the building. And the happiest big thing at the end was that, you know, he was, he was all, you know, saying, you know, well, Tony, you can turn me back into the regular person, right? And, you know, Tony's just like, oh, hey, look, it's my security dude. He's doing the security things and everything. He's going to be awesome. He kind of winks at him. He's just like, seriously, Tony, you're going to be able to take me and turn me back into a regular person, right? So it'll be interesting to see because in the comics, apparently he became the freak a couple of different times. So even after he became the freak the first time. Um, so yeah, then Thor ends up coming in at the very end and right as he's talking about the Christmas carols and stuff and then at the end. And we get an after credit sequence where Darcy is singing a Christmas carol but with all the Avengers characters. So, yeah, in most of the cases, again, we got a lot of people coming in as their people. John Favreau, of course, came back as Happy Hogan uh, and The Freak. Kat Dennings came back as Darcy. Of course, Kobe Smolders came in as Maria Hill. Sam Rockwell came in as Justin Hammer. Chris Hemsworth came in as Thor. Mark Ruffalo, yeah, yeah. Uh, he came in as Bruce Banner. Jeremy Renner came in as, Cl as Clint Barton Hawkeye. Uh, Matt M Mick Wingert came in as Tony Stark because, of, you know, and Lake Bell came in as Natasha Romanoff. I believe both of them played those characters in the first season. So that's why they came back. So that's all that was. Then the next one was, uh, what if the Iron Man had crashed into the, into the Grandmaster, which was the Christmas Day episode, uh, which at the time of recording is when I'm recording these. So... Uh, on 2012, of course, you know, Tony, if you remember back 2012, you had the Chitauri mothership and he goes in, they fire the nuclear weapon to try to destroy it, right? Tony goes up to get rid of the weapon. Now, where in our version of Avengers, he falls back through the hole. Everything's good. This version, he doesn't fall back through the hole. He gets transported to Sakaar, where, for those of you who may not remember, Sakaar is the place where, uh... Thor landed during Thor Ragnarok, and we find out that Hulk, actually, after Avengers 2, landed there. So there was a period of time where the Hulk, was about a year and a half, where the Hulk was just the Hulk the whole time, and he didn't become Banner uh, again until Hulk, until Hulk got found by Thor. Well, this is on Sakaar. Of course, this is where the Grandmaster is, played by the incomparable Jeff Goldblum. Anyway, so Tony ends up getting redirected to Sakaar. Uh... Jeff Goldblum, of course, just does what Jeff Goldblum does best. 
Uh, he's just playing that wild, wacky, crazy character. And so he basically tells Stark he's going to stay behind uh, with with the Grandmaster to celebrate his birthday. And so Tony's like, well, what? You know, this is, this is crazy. I just want to go home. I just want to go back and be back with Pepper. Because he sees a news report where Pepper was survived. Well, of course, he doesn't let him do that. Of course, in this reality, again, we're in a what-if situation. So there are people in this scenario that in others, case in point, uh, Korg, Gamora, and all these other people. Now, if this sounds a little bit familiar, if, when we talked about what if season uh, one, there was an episode, the last episode, where they recruited the Galactic Guardians. Uh, the Gamora from that universe was the one that got gets picked up for that. This is the story we were supposed to get in season one, but we didn't due to time constraints. So this was that this was that episode where basically Sakari and Iron Man meets Gamora. And a kind of and how her story forms as well as around his. Well, we end up going in. They're in this thing where it's the Sakari, that's the Sakar Grand Prix. It's basically a death race where they're going through and they win and all this stuff. But of course, the Grandmaster cheats because that's what he always kind of does. He can control a lot of everything. And so basically, you know, they go through this whole thing. Gamora ends up going after uh, Tony because Thanos sent her to go after Tony as retaliation for stopping the Chitauri invasion. Of course, uh, uh, Grandmaster's chief enforcer Topaz captures both Gamora and Stark and gets them in prison. Stark, of course, breaks out real quick, and then Gamora eventually breaks out. They're kind of going at it because, you know, she's thinking, well, he did this thing. He has to die. And then Stark ends up recruiting Gamora, or not Gamora, but recruiting Korg and Valkyrie Ends up building the Sakari and Iron Man suit that you see in that last episode of season one. And they challenge the Grandmaster to a race for the title of Sakar's ruler. The Grandmaster uses numerous cheating tactics to go through. You know, he has stuff like raising bridges. He has some, some crazy mutant creatures that go around. All sorts of different stuff happens, but he ends up, Tony ends up flexing his technological skills just enough. And not only that, but he really talks to Gamora. And one of the things he says to Gamora is, you don't have to choose to be what you're told to be. You can choose to be whatever you want to be. What are you going to choose to be? And Gamora in that moment decides to help Stark get through the race so that they can be the... And his thing was, he says, leave a place better than what I got here. So that's the idea he has when he talks about it, is leaving the place better, leaving the car better. And so Topaz ends up, her little staff comes off the car as Gamora crashes it. Uh, oh no, Valkyrie crashes it. When Valkyrie crashes it, comes off and then the Grandmaster gets melted. So that's how they determine that Grandmaster didn't win the race. Because Grandmaster says it was a tie, even though it was obvious Tony got it first. Tony got it in first place, but it didn't matter because the, uh, the Grandmaster was going to declare himself as the winner. And that is what it was. I thought what was real cool was, again, it had kind of that Mad Max and space-type feel to it uh, with a lot of different crazy weapons and stuff and a lot of things like that. Of course, it had all that Jack Kirby-inspired stuff from Ragnarok. Boy, I tell you what, all those armors and stuff that we didn't necessarily see in the original movie, we definitely saw it there. And, of course, Karg, again, was played by Tiger Watiti. Um, Tony Stark, again, was played by Matt Wingard. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, as I already said, was, of course, Grandmaster. Tessa Thompson was Valkyrie. Uh, Rachel House, who played the original Topaz, was there. And then, of course, Josh Brolin came in as um, Thanos. Now, Cynthia McWilliams was the, was the lady that did Gamora. So that's who did Gamora's voice in that one. And so that's it. That's the, that's the setup for there. So the rest of these are going to be really short, sweet, 
single episode uh, episodes of this to where basically you'll get a little snippet of the episode and any kind of things I noticed while I was watching it. And we'll go from there. And that way, hopefully, when we all get the chance to talk about it, you don't have to, you know, if you haven't had a chance to watch the episodes, you can listen to these episodes and catch up on it before we talk about it as a collective. Anyway, uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for being with us all year this year. Um, and above all else, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be a blessing with somebody. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of light, just welcome back to another episode of What If. Uh, this title is What If Kahori Reshaped the World. Uh, this is an episode that dropped on the 27th of December. Uh, basically, take what happened in Thor Ragnarok, but make it so that Odin ended up stopping Sartor instead of uh, Hela. And then all of a sudden, the Tesseract splits into a bunch of places and ends up landing in a lake in the Hayden Sunni Confederacy of pre-colonial America. Uh, in a lake there that ended up giving it magical properties. As a result, uh, a group of tribesmen from the Mohawk tribe, and this is a real Native American tribe, by the way, end up finding this forbidden lake. Uh, conquistadors are looking for it, thinking it's the fountain of youth. And so then uh, the two siblings, Kohori and Huata, end up going in and are being hunted by Spanish conquistadors. And basically, at one point, they go into this area, and, and Kohori is like, well, the reason why people feel like this is a cursed area is because they have not cleaned it yet. Uh, whereas in Native American tradition, whenever a war was fought, you would clean the area. You would get rid of all the bodies, you'd bury the people, you'd pay respects, you'd get rid of all the stuff, and this had not happened. So that's why she's telling her little brother, basically, that this is, uh, this is a bad situation because they haven't cleaned it. And so somewhere in the process, she ends up getting sucked into... What's referred to as the sky above, I believe is what they refer to it as, a sky world. She actually gets transferred back into this area called Sky World, where a bunch of her people have been kidnapped or so. They thought they just disappeared and died. Apparently, they gained power and gained immortality, but they weren't able to come back. Well, then basically, as Kahori Field really rises herself and her powers... One of the things that happens is that conquistadors are in the lake. They go shooting because, of course, they, of course they're going to do that. They have their guns, and they invade Sky World. Kahori stops them by herself, basically forces the portal. The portal at the beginning of it's in the air, really, really high. So, like, there's points where she's trying to jump. It feels like any montage of Marvel where, you know, people are trying to understand their powers, and they don't quite get it. And so then, you know, these things happen. She's jumping, she's jumping, she's trying to get up there to it. She can't. And so then at one point they're hunting these animals, which are like gigantic versions of bisons, but with uh, these jewels on their backs. And so anyway, so she ends up rounding up a bunch of them. She like basically kind of picks one of them up and throws it over her, kind of like the scene in Stranger Things where Elle kind of lifts the car over her while they're on the bike. And so you imagine her picking this thing up with her hand, kind of sort of just throwing it over herself. And uh, so she goes through this whole thing. And so she basically... She, it's showing that she has more range of powers and more, a little bit more creativity of her powers than other people who have had those powers a lot longer. But anyway, as she goes through and tries to get through, her whole motivation is to try to get back home because she wants to be with her people because she knows her people are being hunted by these conquistadors. And so she brings the portal down. She basically like, all right, look, I'm going back. 
Y'all can stay here if you want to, but I'm going back because my people are over there and my people are dying. And so she ends up going over back. And at first, you know, you just see, of course, her people are getting attacked. Her brother has been grabbed. All this stuff's happening. People have been shot and killed. All these things are happening. Well, then all of a sudden she shows up and starts trying to fight against the conquistadors by herself. And so there, it's like she throws up this crazy shield, like there are bullets flying and cannonballs flying and all this other stuff. And, you know, you think she's going to suffer a worse fate because she's standing alone. Well, then they look up in the back of the uh, woods and they see all these blue eyes glowing. And, and then the next thing you know, this whole group of people that have come back to their native land are all with these powers and that are going through and they're wiping out ships and they're running across water and they're doing all this cool stuff. Which I thought was interesting because it's kind of always that big question of what would you do if you had power to stop something, especially like an egregious thing like the trades, the slave trades or Native American people getting their whole world rocked and things like that by conquistadors and things like that. What would you do if you had the power to stop it? You know, so it's really interesting to see how they played it. And then not only did they play it that way, but also that they end up going to Queen Isabella and basically making peace. Um, and so, of course, you know, at the end of that episode, Dr. Strange Supreme shows up and he's basically like, oh, wow, peace for the whole world. Well, that'll do nice for a spell. And, uh, of course, initially when you're seeing this, you know, of course, you're thinking he's congratulating her. Boy, do we find out different later. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we get through that. I think it's really cool that they got uh, some specialists from the Mohawk tribes to actually give in and speak the language. Uh, one of the um, actual actresses, the actress that played Kahori is uh, Devery J Jacobs. And Devery Jacobs is actually a part of the Mohawk tribe, which is really interesting, too, because they have her show up in another series. That I'm sure we will talk about that series later. Uh, but anyway, so she shows up in there as a different character. And so different tribe, different things, but it's really interesting how that plays. But anyway, so I really enjoyed this episode because, one, Kahori was created specifically for What If. She's not a character that's ever been in the comics prior to now. And so it'll be interesting to see if Marvel does anything with her or not. I don't know that she's a fan favorite, but I like her. I feel like she's, you know, I feel like she's kind of one of these people that are just, that are just kind of trying to do what's right for the sake of other, those around her and not so much about anything else. In the next What If episode was episode, uh, the sixth episode and uh, came out on December 28th. And it was What If Hera had found the Ten Rings. So we go through this interesting thing. I love the way they played this because if you watch Thor, the first Thor movie, they played it very much like that, where basically Odin's looking at Hela in the timeline. It's a little bit different because you can imagine her in the time, in that, in that, in that, in that movie instead of Thor. He's like, you know, your, your blood, your blood, your blood, you have this bloodlust. You got to stop. We're not, not at a time of war anymore. We're at a time of peace, you know, and everything. You got to do something else. And, She's just like, well, you created me to be this, da 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 da, you know, and everything, and you created me for war, and I don't know anything else. And so basically, he ends up taking her helmet and throwing it to Earth, and basically say, not only does he throw the helmet to Earth, he takes away her powers. He basically says, you know, you are banished from here. He banishes her to Earth. So in a similar way to where Thor won, he banished Mildir and took his power away. He did the same thing to Hela. So Hela ends up showing up on Earth. And when Hela shows up, basically she she ends up in medieval China where the armies of Wen Wu were. 
And so, of course, Wen Wu being the guy from uh, the Shang-Chi, you know, movie, you know, she ends up in China. She's trying to get the crown, but can't because she can't lift it because Odin, of course, put the thing on there. Whoever is merciful, if she finds this helmet, allow her to become Hela. And so that's kind of the way he enchants the helmet so that the person that wears it has to be merciful, whereas Hela's not at the beginning of this. And so Hela goes through this whole thing where she's training and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Like I said, she's trying to get the crowd. She can't. She ends up spending time with Wen Wu uh, after trying to steal the Ten Rings, of course, that she can't steal because, again, he's he's in full control of those. Uh, he ends up showing, she ends up going through the whole realm of Talo, which you remember in Shang-Chi is that area where they're driving through and, like, the trees are closing up behind them and the little dragon, butt dragon thing is there with them. And so she ends up going through and going through there. When she gets there, the leader ends up basically saying, you know, look, we can work with you to help you do this. And it's funny because at one point she even asked her, you know, why are you wanting this? And Hela is just like, I, I want to be free. I don't want to be controlled by anyone. I don't want to be controlled by anyone else's destiny. I want to control my own destiny. And basically she says it's freedom from control. And so Heimdall, being up in Asgard, of course, looks out, and he can't see Hela anymore. So Odin thinks Hela's been killed or something because, of course, if Heimdall can't see her, then only that means she's not alive. So, of course, Odin comes to Earth <laughs> looking for her. Well, the last place they, he saw her was near Wenwu. And so, of course, he comes to Win Wu's area in China. Odin is there. He's got his trusty little spear, which I can't remember the name of the spear, but it's this awesome spear that just, just like, just makes Odin even stronger than he already is as a god from Asgard. He's trying to fight Win Wu. And, of course, at this point, Hela has learned the way of Dalo to the point where she's learning how to use the elements around her and things like that. She's not, she's not so concerned about power anymore. She's just concerned about trying to work with people to help people. And at one point, she you know, she and Wen Wu fight together against Odin, and Odin's almost taken out, and she reaches down, basically, to pick Odin up, and she's like, you've, you know, you don't have to stay down if you don't want to. You can go back. It's okay. And basically, when he fights her, you know, she ends up regaining worthiness to will the crown of Hela. So she gets the crown back, and then Odin looks at her and says, you know, you've grown. You know, oh, my daughter, how you've grown, you know. And he basically lets her have uh, the throne of Asgard, which is really interesting. Because we didn't even get that really in Thor. I mean, it wasn't a... Thor took the crown more so because he had to, not so much because he wanted to. Uh, but anyway, it's funny how that worked. And so then basically she and the Ten Rings worked together to try to ensure freedom across the nine realms. So they're working together, they're fighting. And so like at the end of the movie, you see like there's a, at the end of the episode, you see Gamora, young Gamora from Guardians 2. And you see Thanos with the sword, with the knife trying to balance it. And then they show up there. They're just like, they're going to take on Thanos to stop him from taking over their world. So I think that's really cool. Again, kind of tying the MCU together through these what if episodes. So the next episode was episode seven. Uh, we got what if the Avengers assembled in 1602. So 
it's interesting there because we get this whole thing where, remember back in episode four, where Wanda Maximoff, a, a different version of Wanda Maximoff and Nick Fury show up and grab Agent Carter? Yeah. That, this is, this links back to this episode. So if you go back to that episode and you're like, well, wait a minute, how did we get here? There's a story already there. Well, uh, basically she ends up in this Renaissance-themed universe based off of the 1602 universe that Neil Gaiman wrote about. I'm sure Snyder will love that. Anyway, Captain Carter agrees to help uh, Wanda Merlin and Sir Nicholas Fury stop the impending incursion. So, of course, if anybody watched Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, you know what it incursions are times where different things coming out of different realities are coming into their world and how they deal with those things. Well, they go through all these deals there. You know, they've got, uh, of course, Prince Loki is there acting. You know, which I love that because I love the idea of Tom Hiddleston coming in and acting as this other character. Uh, Queen Hela ends up getting kidnapped. And then uh, Sir Harold the Happy Hogan uh, are now is now under Thor's orders because Thor is the new king once Queen Hela gets kidnapped by this, by this uh, incursion. Anyway, so Captain Carter ends up running away because basically they are hunting her down because she lost the queen in their eyes. Well, Carter ends up learning that the incursion is due to the presence of a forerunner. This is another person that's displaced in time and space and end up locating Tony Stark, who, of course, is just loaded up on alcohol and all that stuff, but he has a device that he can use to find the forerunner using the time stone and, or scepter, but the problem is, of course, you got to get away from Thor. So... There's a guy that shows up, this outlaw, kind of like Robin Hood, Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, and Scott Lang. And so they're like, well, we're going to go. If it, this, it's funny because that kind of feels a little bit like Civil War a bit. <laughs> There's their sides on this thing. And that's why I like the nod to that. Uh, they end up getting ambushed by Happy Hogan's group. And, of course, they're going through this whole thing. And uh, Captain Carter goes through and fights for a while. And they keep talking about uh, Sir Happy Hogan's condition. And we don't know for sure what that is exactly uh, until later. Anyway, we go through this whole thing. Captain Carter allows herself to get captured because she knows if she doesn't, the others won't be able to get away. So she ends up finding a masked man, kind of a man in the iron mask, so to speak, nod, and come to find out it's Bruce Banner. And so they start shooting at her. She runs away. Well, they start shooting at the door where Bruce Banner is. So he transforms into the Hulk, busts through the door, causes all kind of chaos. Because, of course, it's the Hulk would. And then all of a sudden joins up with Hulk and them. Joins up with Stark and Rogers. So anyway, they're going through this big fight at one point. And what's really funny is, is that at one point, Steve Rogers is fighting Sir Happy Hogan. And he accidentally cuts off the feather of his hat. And all of a sudden, he becomes the freak again. So go back to the Happy Hogan Saves Christmas episode because there's your freak reference number two in this season of What If Season 2. Anyway, we end up getting this thing where they're fighting and then uh, Tony's device works, but it freezes everybody. When it freezes everybody, it recognizes that Steve Rogers was the forerunner. Who, when he hit Thanos' hand back in uh, Infinity War... He hits Thanos' hand and he hits the time gem. So he gets jumped back in time. 
instead of, you know, Thor cutting off the head, basically, or whatever, setting up for the head cut, it's, it's Steve ends up hitting the time gem off his gauntlet, and then he just leaves, basically. And so our Steve went back in time to that point. And so they had to basically get him back to his real-life point. So, of course, then Captain Carter again loses her Steve a second time. Because, as we know, she already lost her Steve in the whole Hydra thing. And then now she's losing another version of Steve. And so it says goodbye to him, basically returns to his universe. Um, as she is getting ready to leave or whatever, she's sitting around, she's getting ready for something to drink. And then uh, Dr. Strange Supreme shows up. And he's just like, oh, Captain Carter, do I have a story for you? So that's how they end that episode. I thought it was real funny, too, that when you look at this episode, one of the things I found interesting was that a lot of the people that were there, of course, came back. Tom Hiddleston, of course, came back as Loki. Uh, Sam Jackson came back as Nick Fury. Elizabeth Olsen came back as Wanda Merlin. Uh, Chris Hemsworth came in as King Thor Odinson. Uh, Mark Ruffalo came in as Bruce Banner Hulk. John Favreau came in as Happy Hogan. Uh, and so there were several other people, of course. Paul Rudd did come back as Scott Lang. So and Sebastian Stan did come in as Bucky Barnes. Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, came in as Doctor Strange Supreme. And then, of course, you know some of the other voices that we've talked about that took the places of, like, Tony Stark and uh, Tony Stark, Black Widow, and, of course, Steve Rogers. So the last episode in the series and the season finale... Will we get a season three? We'll talk about that in a few. Dr. Strange Supreme shows up. He takes Captain Carter to his Sanctum Infinitum. Uh, he's been capturing, he says he's been capturing universe killers to atone for his sins and ask for her help in capturing an escape variant that fled to a universe where Hydra used the Tesseract to destroy the world. She agrees to go and she encounters Kahori, which if you remember, go back to if Kahori had reshaped the world. Um, uh, but as they're talking, you realize Kahori is telling Captain Carter something she doesn't necessarily know. She's like, hey, um, yeah, he didn't tell you everything, did he? He's like, what are you talking about? He said, I was told to come capture you. He's like, yeah, but he didn't tell you what he's doing to everybody. And so come to find out that he's been building this trap, building this thing with all these quote-unquote universe killers and people that he feels deemed with the powers of cosmic in order to bring back the world he lost. So Dr. Strange Supreme didn't learn shack. And here's the thing. The Watcher warned her. The Watcher was like, um, you realize if you do this, like I've told you what happens when you mess with time. And if you do this, I don't know that I'm going to be ready to, 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 to come back and tell the next part of the story that happens if you do this. And she's like, well, it's just like the last time when I helped save this place. I'll make that decision. He's like, okay. You know, kind of just leaves it be, because, of course, as the Watcher, he can't interfere. If something's going on, I'm thinking, he's going to interfere. He's going to interfere. And I'm like, no, he obviously didn't this time. He made a goal, and was the Watcher tries not to interfere in those things. And Boy, did they need him. Anyway, so Captain Carter, of course, goes in. They, she realizes what's actually happening. Stranger's trying to capture Kahori because of this. She has this pit, basically, he's going to sacrifice all these people to try to bring his world. Because as he gets rid of all these other realities, he feels like he can bring his back and bring back Christine Palmer. <sighs> we thought you learned the first time, Strange. We thought you learned the first time. Anyway, uh, he attempts to kill her, of course. And then Captain Carter is trying to figure out what to do to stop him. Well, she ends up throwing the shield and just freeing a bunch of these uh, universe killers. Well, we get all sorts of stuff. I mean, like, this is 
to describe what Jingles would call me, this is the toy box moment of the whole show. Because this is that moment where you're sitting there going like, oh my gosh, I had a toy box full of all these figures. I would just sit down and play with them. I mean, you have everything from a Hulk who is Asgardian Hulk to a rocket raccoon who has a uh, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Gym destroying weapon. Basically, he's trying to destroy all the other awesome weapons so he can have the only one. <laughs> and I mean, there's everything from Dark Elves to different types of Groots to different types of... Uh, to different types of people. Hella shows up at one point, but it's our version of Hella <laughs> from the movies. She shows up with Fenris Wolf, and it gets crazy, and then you think it gets crazier, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and um, remember when Killmonger had the Infinity Stones? Yeah, he shows up, and Kahori just blinks him out of the suit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically he loses the powers of the Infinity Suit. He has his Black Panther suit on, his gold Black Panther, Black Panther suit, of course. But it's no match. It's not nearly as powerful, of course, as the Infinity Gauntlet suit. And so Captain Carter goes up and touches it. She now wears the Infinity Gauntlet suit. There's a point in this show that's so wild and crazy because there's a point where, like, Kahori ends up throwing the gems to Captain Carter, and she literally holds him in her hands and punches Doctor Strange Supreme. And basically you find out that when Doctor Strange lost Christine... This demon, of course, that's back in season one of What If. This demon kind of consumed him and took over. And so the pain and the suffering he went through was so bad that this demon basically took over this, took him over to the point where it was like, well, its power is so strong, I can't get rid of it now. So the forge starts collapsing because Kahori's been blasting the forge. They've been freezing people. Like, people are going to fall through it. Kahori stops a whole bunch of people, and then he, like, freezes them and unfreezes them and freezes them and unfreezes them. And they're just going through all this. When they're falling, stop falling. Falling, stop falling. Falling, stop falling. Like, four or five times. And then eventually, like, the basically, Kahori ends up teleporting them all back to their world, including one of her uh, brothers in the uh, Mohawk tribe, ends up getting everybody back to their world. And the next thing you know, of course, you know, Dr. Strange makes this ultimate sacrifice. He's like, I can't allow this to happen when this demon is going to take over. So he just grabs the demon to keep him from interacting. He ends up sacrificing himself, basically. He makes the heroic play. Uh, and when he sacrifices himself, that's it. So the next thing you know, you've got the Watcher shows back up, basically returns Kahori back to home, and basically it goes to Carter to strangers to restore their universe. He comes to basically say that in this new universe, Christina Palmer lived, but because Dr. Strange sacrificed himself, he could never be reborn in that universe. So as a result, basically, he got what he wanted, but he couldn't be a part of it, which is really kind of bittersweet in a lot of ways. And so anyway, you got this moment where Captain Carter says, you know, hey, can you show me the multiverse before you take me home. The last image we see, and go back to Loki with the Loki two talk because yeah, he takes him back to she take he takes her back to Yggdrasil, where Loki is. So I can imagine that, and I don't know if it's going to be in another animated show or if it's going to be in a Loki season three or if it's going to be in the in the multiverse movies that continue or whatever. Lord knows, but somehow or another, I'm hoping Captain Carter becomes part of whatever team Loki puts together. Because that'd be awesome. Anyway, so that is the main part of What If Season 2. Now, they did show a small clip of Winter Soldier and Red 
and, and the Red Guardian together in a car, uh, basically getting chased by Bill Foster, probably when he was working for the FBI before he got hooked up with Hank Pym. And uh, so you got Bill Foster and a couple other people running around chasing after the Winter Soldier and the Red Guardian in a car in America. And so that's our trailer for season three. And from what I understand, it's supposed to be the last season of the show. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to miss seeing these animated specials like this. But if this is the last season, I'm sure they're going to go out on a bang. And they're going to set us up for even more crazy stuff. And yep, just like I said at the beginning of the review, uh, Jeffrey Wright is... uh, Jeffrey Wright does get closer and closer to where people can see him. So apparently Captain Carter can hear him. Of course, Dr. Shane Supreme can hear him. And apparently if you watch I Am Groot Season 2, Groot can talk to the Watcher. (laughs) So there's a few people that can sense the Watcher's presence. So it's really interesting how they expand on that. It would be interesting if we see a live-action Watcher. I don't know how they'll do it, but I'm sure they'll find a way. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. I hope you have enjoyed me talking about What If Season 2 as much as I've enjoyed talking about it with you. And of course, check out the polls on the Spotify. Uh, there's questions about characters you like in the show so far, things like that. So check it out. Go there. Let me know how you feel about it. Anyway, thank you. And as always, be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.